Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's just incredibly interesting investing and it's investing isn't a study of finance like there's obviously financial aspects but you're investing in companies that are doing all these really interesting things working on all these big problems across all these different industries and the best skill in being an investor is being intensely curious G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Who can forget some of the great celebrity cameos like when Britney Spears appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Stephen Hawking on Big Bang Theory, or Mike Tyson in The Hangover? Investing podcasts are like that, well, a little bit. And in this special simulcast dual cameo appearance episode, Shares for Beginners and Equity Mates join forces to explain how we approach investing and on becoming FinPod stars. If you're here after just hearing this podcast on Equity Mates, then welcome. You might find some episodes of interest in the back catalogue. Otherwise, here are the mates and the beginner in the cage. So, Phil, you are a producer, host, owner of Shares for Beginners yes, here in correct. Australia, mm-hmm. Stocks for Beginners over in the States. Yes. You've got another few podcasts in the stable. I've got um, Equity ASA with the Australian Shareholders Association, and I also have... AGM Watch, where I talk to company monitors from the Shareholders Association about um, upcoming AGMs, voting intentions, you know, whether they like the directors or not, whether they like the company's um, strategies moving forward. And um, there's a couple of other ones that um, I'm just keeping under wraps at the moment, you know. Nice. I think we've all, nice. got, big, we've all nice. got all big uh, media <laughs> plans. <laughs> so should we start by... Um Pinning down Phil and finding out let's about do it. Him. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> this is our more comfortable situation. Asking the question, so let's yeah. start there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's so say it's uncomfortable for me then. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we just heard four podcasts mm-hmm. uh, at the moment, but I guess if you can take us back, why did you start Shares for Beginners, and what was the sort of what's um, been the journey? I've got a long background in media production and radio. And um, I think it was just, uh, I was interested in podcasts because I did start working on podcasts a few years ago. I worked with Carl Kruzhenitsky on one of his podcasts and um, then with a couple of other podcasts, just throwing some ideas around. And um, it was really basically the, th- the thing was that I thought, okay, it's something that I can do. I've never been a presenter, so I've always been behind the scenes. So getting in front of the microphone has been an interesting part of it as well. I've always been interested in investing in the share market as well. Um, I've done it for a very long time, poorly, I've got to say, <laughs> most of the time. And um, I don't know, I just it was almost like coming to me in a dream where one day I just said, shares for beginners. That's a, a great <laughs> name. And then I started getting some guests on and it just took off really, really quickly. I was really lucky actually with the first episode where I got this local financial planner who was just a great person at explaining things, you know, and it's still the most downloaded episode of the podcast. I think it annoys him as well because he doesn't want new clients. So he's going <laughs> still gets inquiries all the time. <laughs> Sorry about that, Rob. <laughs> so just to, to clarify, yep. Phil, you're not an expert investor. Not at all, no, and, not by uh, any means. Well, I thought I was an expert investor, <laughs> uh, nice. like we all do. Isn't it the Dunning-Kruger effect? It, it is, uh, it yes. is. So mm-hmm. similar to Ren and I, uh, sounds yes. like you started the show purely for your own investing journey really and to, yes. to, to get access to the bright minds in the investment landscape and uh, I guess help others on their investing journey. So, Well, I was hoping what I wanted to do was um, learn myself. I mean, my, um, my slogan, I guess, is let's learn together. 
and nice. um, I just want to learn myself and share that um, that experience with listeners as well. When did you start the first podcast? February 11, two years ago. Two years ago. So two years later, yes. three more podcasts in the stable. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the journey been and what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from the experts you've spoken to? Oh, God, there's so many lessons. But um, what's been amazing to me is the, well, how quickly it's gone and how accepted we are, I think all of us as podcasters in the industry, so many people are just happy to come on and share and talk. And I think they like talking in a natural way rather than having to do a formal presentation. You know, they're so used to doing the PowerPoints and then standing up and being very formal and wearing the suit and putting out the glossy brochures. And I think what we both tend to do is we're very natural with people and we get them talking naturally. So there's been a lot of lessons. I've got my list here. (laughs) (laughs) One of the main things, I guess, is to think long-term about investing. I've always had this idea and I've I've made so many mistakes over the years because I thought that stock market investing was a little bit like a casino where you go in, you make a gain, you bank that gain and then move on to the next thing. And really, that's a mugs game. And the biggest thing, the main thing is about the long-term nature of investing I learned a lot from going to Australian shareholders meetings where there's a lot of very elderly people talking about their investment portfolios. And one person told me that it was like growing a garden. You just tend the garden, you look at the plants that you like and you plant the plants that you like, take out the weeds, you know, maybe once a year go out and take out all the weeds which are underperforming stocks. And it's been a great analogy. And I think that's the main thing that I've really picked up. And I'm hoping because, as you know, the audience for podcasts is a lot younger than that. And I just really hope that I can share this with as many young people as possible, that it's a long-term journey and not to think that they can just go in. Because I think a lot of listeners, they, they start thinking about stocks and shares because they've suddenly heard about some item of news and they've learned about, heard about Tesla or they've learned about, mm. um, I don't know, Afterpay. Yeah. And it's like, oh, how do I get in on this? And they have to be shown that, no, no, there is another way of investing. I like that analogy, the gardening one. Yeah. As someone who does not have a green thumb, uh, (laughs) hopefully I can be a better investor than I am a gardener. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So I guess, has there been, I mean, we've spoken about guests, but do you have any coming up in the pipeline for 2021 that you're really excited to speak with? Well, I'm talking to Scott Phillips, Tomorrow, I know we're nice. going to be out of sync with the timings and that. We're going to be talking about his don'ts. He's got five don'ts. I can't remember them off the hand, but uh, don't trade too often, I think, is one of the main things. So we're going to be covering that. Kylie Purcell from um, Finder. Do you know Kylie? Yeah, yeah. 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 who's a great advocate for investors and for investor education. We're going to be looking at how not to lose money. Nice. Because I remember when I first started the podcast, that was one of the things, how do you not lose money? And I've lost sight of that. This year, I'm coming back to that in a big way. Even if the answer is you're going to lose money, Mm. (laughs) how do you mitigate against that risk and protect yourself against that? Nice. Well, I think we've grilled Phil enough, at least for the moment. (laughs) (laughs) So... Shall we flip it around and give you yeah, a chance? Yeah, yeah, I'll give you a chance. I'll, well, I wanted to talk about when we had our chat previously before this episode, I think you were talking about not investing solely on the ASX. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Well, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> the, <laughs> Aus- the, Australians, <laughs> the Australian stock market is 2% of the global market. Mm-hmm. For every great Australian company, with a few exceptions, but for most great Australian companies, I can name an even better 
international equivalent. Yeah. When Bryce and I started investing, I mean, Bryce started a lot earlier than I did, but international shares were difficult. They were really expensive if you're going through a comsec, but most of the time you just couldn't access most markets. Mm-hmm. And what we've seen over the last even just five years is accessibility and cost have come down so much and it's now just as easy to buy an American share or a European share as it mm-hmm. is an Australian share. And so put those two things together, it's no more difficult to buy outside of Australia and the quality of the companies in many cases is better. Yeah, It just for us then feels like a no-brainer. And then I think the third thing is really if we look around you know, in this room, what we're using, but more generally what we use in our lives. Australian microphones. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Not publicly listed though. <laughs> no, no. But you know, it's Apple computers. We search mm-hmm. on Google. We use like Microsoft products. Yep. So for us, it's just, you know, we want to invest in what we know and more and more what we know are overseas listed companies. And um, how would you look at it? I mean, you can do it directly or ETFs or traces. Is that how it's pronounced? Traces? Trackers? Don't know. You don't know traces? No. Oh, no. Talk to Shyax. Okay. (laughs) You can actually, there are stocks on the um, the Australian share market that you can actually buy directly on the market and they represent Apple or Tesla or whatever. Yeah, right. I no, think they're just an interesting product, yeah. One more point on that, though, before we go into the how is you look at what's going on in different economies around the world. Mm-hmm. It's a great way to diversify your risk. Mm. If you're solely invested in Australia, you're relying on what government decisions, the macroeconomic environment here, and should the market tank, then you have nothing else that is going to sort of, I guess, net out that drop yeah. in the market if other countries are performing well. So spreading your risk around around the world is a great way to diversify a portfolio. I mean, Ren's in Europe, Croatia, <laughs> wants to get in Iran. A lot, a lot of big things happening, happening in the Ukrainian stock market. <laughs> Emerging markets yeah. par excellence. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's an important thing to remember is, you know, as Ren said, 2% of the what global stock market is Australia. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, think big and, and it's never been easier to do so. Through ETFs, as you said, Phil, uh, mm-hmm. and you can buy them domestically. You don't have yep. to buy them in America or in Ukraine. You can get access to <laughs> many different, I guess, countries just through ETFs listed on the Australian mm-hmm. Stock Exchange. And then once you're feeling a bit more adventurous, yeah. find those brokers that do allow you to buy overseas and buy directly in. You do then have to think about currency and that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, certainly worth thinking about. What about you? Do you invest overseas? Just um, basically S&P 500 ETF is the main thing at the moment. Again, that's the thing that um, doing this podcast, it scared me off direct investing. I'm just about all ETFs now. And then I've got a few tiny, tiny stock picks, you know, like the bulk of the portfolio is ETFs. And then I'm talking about 1% of my portfolio in individual stocks just to manage that risk. And I mean, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that, I think. Yeah. You know, a lot of beginner investors come into the market or mm-hmm. their journey and think that they need to come and pick individual stocks and try yeah, those yeah, yeah. and just yeah. throw cash at them. But if you think about the average return for the stock market over the last 40 years or whatever has been roughly 10% or thereabouts, mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with a 10% return year on year. <laughs> <laughs> like many managers, mm-hmm. professional managers don't even beat that. So that's right. Yeah. To say that there's something wrong with just having a portfolio of ETFs mm-hmm. is wrong. Yeah. I mean, we interviewed Lars Croyer, who was over in London, and he said the only portfolio you need is the all-world yeah. MSCI <laughs> ETF. That's right, yeah. And a couple of bonds. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it was that. Or was some it? sort it was of fixed, just tiny that. fixed oh, okay. income. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And just put all your money into the all-world index, 8,500 stocks or something yeah, that yeah, attract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, just, and that's it. That's yeah. it. 
yeah. let it go. Let's come back to that because diversification is a big thing. But I, I didn't ask about you guys and how it all came about. Well, equity mates. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's what we were talking on. <laughs> so similar to you, Phil, Alec and I met uh, at a university and soon realised that we both had a pretty strong interest in business and, and mm-hmm. finance and that sort of stuff. And I'd been investing for a while and Alec was, I guess, smart enough and clued in to know that he should be doing something more with his money and made his first investment. But that sort of led to us wanting to find more resources mm-hmm. in the investing space for beginners. And at the time, there were no real possibilities podcasts that were Australian focused and spoke to a beginner Mm. level. So we used it as as an excuse to go and speak to fund managers and CEOs knocking on the doors. Hey, we've got a big podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about us. It's It's not about the listeners. (laughs) It's easy to say Australia's biggest when there's not many competitors. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And really just from there, it has grown and we've learned a lot and Mm -hmm. I think have been able to create content that is sort of relatable to a lot of other people on their investing journey. And we've probably struck it lucky with what's happened over the past couple of years and what's gone on in the States with the rise of the retail investor. But still, I think this market is still underserved with this sort of stuff. So mm, The rise of the retail investor and the rise of podcasts as yes. a yeah. entertainment form. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about you guys, but um, one of the things for me, I, when I first started, I was thinking, oh, what am I going to do for content? I was really worried. This, this, is, the num- now, this is the number one question my dad asks me it's all a the time. Yeah. Of content. <laughs> I was never concerned because yeah. sometimes you just can't stop Ren talking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing for us when dad is like, how are you going to do more shows? Like you don't have enough content, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's like, it's just incredibly interesting investing. It is, yeah. And yeah. it's investing isn't a study of finance. Like there's obviously financial aspects, but you're investing in companies that are doing all these really interesting things, working mm-hmm. on all these big problems across all these different industries. And the best skill in being an investor is being intensely curious. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, Bryce and I have done deep dives on things like re- the renewable energy industry. I'm fascinated by the waste industry, yeah, like an industry yeah. that you wouldn't otherwise think of. Um, and it's just that's the thing about investing. And that's Are you a bingo th- bull? No, no. I um, Bingo doesn't have a great reputation. I'm not going to go too far oh, okay, in. No but um, I think there's, again, the back yeah. to our earlier point around uh, Australian companies compared to their overseas peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Australia, you're looking at Bingo or CleanAway. CleanAway is an interesting company and in they're... But, you know, you compare that to the Suez's and the Veolia's in Europe or the waste management in the US, mm-hmm. just bigger companies with bigger, yeah. more yeah. assets, more infrastructure and... Um, more people, more yeah. power, yeah. But this is another point for the get started. Like, you know, a lot of people will often think that they need to know everything before yeah. starting out. Yeah. And mm-hmm. through your podcast, through our podcast, we've proven that it's a consistent journey that is lifelong. I would challenge you to find a professional investor who has gone... I know it all <laughs> and I, I'm just, you know, you know what I mean? They're yeah, going yeah. to work every single day and what Alec was saying, finding out more and more information that is curious to them and they continue digging and refining yeah, their strategy yeah. and learning new ways to do things better. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We just interviewed um, an expert who we've had on the show a few times and he was telling us about five companies he's found recently and he was like, they're all owned by like reclusive European billionaires and like he just, he found them all just because he was just doing heaps of reading and reading about these families, reading about these companies in Europe Mm -hmm. and they were all like really compelling stories, all with really interesting things but he just read and he read and he read and he read yeah. and he just stumbled across these things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You've had Doug Morris on, haven't you, from ShareSite? Yes. Yeah. And one of the great uh, things that he said is just to learn when you want to learn is to buy a share, just buy a company. Someone that you know, you know, he talked about his first one being um, Disney because he was a school kid and it was a school project and, of course, oh, yeah, Disney. <laughs> I love Disney. <laughs> but that's a great bit of advice where you just – Get your 500 bucks together, buy Woolworths. And then if that's a company that you know are interested in, and then do as much research as possible on that particular company and really focus on it. Because unless you've got real money on the line, you're not going to do it. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I want to bring it back for a second because I'm sure there are people listening who are like, I don't want to do all this reading. Like, I, that's, I've I gonna, got other things I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And I think for those people – there's nothing wrong with then buying an index and not thinking about investing, yeah. not not reading about it. Like you don't have to do all that reading because ETFs and index funds are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know yourself. Yes. That's another thing. Know yourself. Are you going to be interested? Are you going to be wanting to look at company reports? Are you going to want to be doing all the research? Or are you going to go on this journey and go, hang on, I'm not really interested in that, but now I know about ETFs and there is a way of sitting back drinking my ties and not even worrying mm. about my portfolio. Yeah. Or if you've got a nine to five job or, you know, you work mm. longer hours than nine to five and you just can't, you don't have the mental bandwidth to think of anything else. Mm. Or just still, even the interest. You can still invest. So Phil, you mentioned then knowing yourself, you also said that you started out investing in individual stocks and now you're in just ETFs. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. because you've found yourself? <laughs> I found how shit scared I am. <laughs> oh, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, again, this is part of the journey is sort of stripping back to the basics again and going, okay, ETFs is long term and um, you don't have to worry about it. And then just at the side, start chipping away. Like I said, yeah. 1% in each individual shareholding that I'm doing my own research in and trying to build my own conviction in. And um, also a bit of technical. I mean, I, I know a lot of people sort of don't like technical analysis, but I'm, I can see some of the theory behind it. So I'm, at mm. this stage, I'm more looking at the technicals rather than the fundamentals of what I'm buying Yeah, with moving averages crossing over. Very simple technical analysis, you know. So in terms of portfolio construction, mm-hmm. that is what we call a satellite and core portfolios. We've spoken about it on the show where you Mm -hmm. build a a portfolio known as the core, which is potentially 80% of your total investment that is passive. Mm -hmm. And you're just building a a portfolio of ETFs, Mm -hmm. um, potentially listed investment companies. However, you kind of build that just sort of passive stream of money going in at a a regular 
interval. And then your satellite is those smaller individual stocks that you might be taking a little bit of a punt on or hoping that you're going to get an outsized return. And mm. that might be 20, 10% of your portfolio. So that's one way that you can manage your risk. And yeah. I would yeah. encourage beginners to sort of have a look at that and think about that mm. core satellite approach. Mm. Ren and I both sort of have that yep. philosophy, same as you feel, yeah, build out the ETFs and then throw heap of money at Bitcoin. What's, what's your... <laughs> yeah, Bryce has a core satellite and crypto strategy. <laughs> what's your uh, core and satellite breakdown? Like what percentage would you do for each? I'm trying to build towards the 80-20. Okay. Two years ago, I took a very similar approach. I was very heavy individual stocks. Mm-hmm. And through this, I've realized that Building up that really long-term focus with that core mm-hmm. takes out, A, a lot of stress of having to find individual stocks, B, mm. losing less money, and C, you just can chip away, chip away, chip away. So yeah. I reckon I'm close to the 80-20. Wow. Yeah, but you still got some work to do because I keep buying the satellite. Because yeah. that's, the- <laughs> that's most fun, isn't it? That's the fun part, yeah. yeah. Like, damn it. <laughs> What's yours? I'll probably be 50-50, I think, yeah. yeah. But I think in my satellite approach, well, I'm definitely not trying to do technical analysis. Mm-hmm. No no offense to you, it's Phil, a very, it's a very basic. <laughs> it's a very basic form of technical yeah, analysis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that can be turned into a complete dark art, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have made a lot of money from it, but I will never be one of them. But in my satellite portfolio, it's individual stocks, but it's really trying to be those just the best quality businesses around the world, those unbelievable businesses that will be able to take their profits, reinvest them in the business, grow for decades to come. The question that we get often then is, and you're talking about, you know, the Apples, the Microsofts, the Spotify's, et cetera, et cetera. Why? One one of the three are in, yeah. One of the three. (laughs) Why not buy just an ETF that has all the best companies in the world? Uh, a couple of reasons. Um, one, because an ETF also has a whole bunch of companies that I'm not interested in. Yep. So in this satellite approach, it's really about getting exposure just to the things I want to get to. Mm-hmm. But don't get me wrong, like I own Microsoft. That was the one of the three um, in the satellite. But I also own an S&P 500 ETF. And so there's there's overlap there, but I'm comfortable with that overlap because yeah. it's like I want more exposure to Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to say in terms of diversification and another thing that I've learned is about asset allocation and uh, not just being invested in equities by having some sort of exposure to bonds, having some exposure to gold, real estate investment trusts. And, you know, if you're going to a financial planner, they're not going to put all your money into equities. And it's also going to depend on what your stage is in life. If you're in your 20s, yeah, you're going to be all equities. Mm. But as you get older, you want to start de-risking and start going into safer things like bonds, even though they're not returning. I know bonds are not returning much at all, but they provide a ballast to put your portfolio, as does gold, as mm. possibly crypto will, but it hasn't been strep- <laughs> stress tested. <laughs> I was just having a chat with Jordan Alessio from the Perth Mint, who was a recent guest, and um, we were talking about you know gold and Bitcoin, what are the differences, and he's quite bullish on Bitcoin, but it hasn't been stress tested in an actual catastrophe like gold has for 6,000 years or more. If the market drop in March wasn't a catastrophe, I would like to know what they're expecting. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like the GFC. The GFC was like the banking system was on the verge of collapse. Mm. That's a catastrophe. Bitcoin fell then, didn't it? When? 
in March 2020. Yes. It was correlated with equities, which people were surprised about. And now it's correlated with equities again. (laughs) Both (laughs) are running hot. (laughs) But uh, getting back to that diversification, I think it's you've really got to understand the true diversification is not just being invested in equities. It's maybe having some of these other asset classes and it's worthwhile having a look at these. And you can invest in these asset classes yeah. through ETFs as well. Yeah. Another one of my guests was um, Graham Hand from First Links. Have you had Graham on? No. no. I saw him do a presentation. I just thought, get him on the, the podcast and we'll talk about it, where he put together an ETF portfolio that was based on the future fund. Okay. So really, you can just mimic what the future fund is doing. Mm. And for those that are unaware of what the future fund is, yes. what is it? The future fund is, um, it's a, oh, I should know the definition of it. It's run by Peter Costello. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's tre- an Australian, Australian, it's an Australian government. Kind of uh, sovereign, it's like a sovereign wealth fund. A sovereign fund. wealth yeah. fund, yeah. yeah. Independently managed sovereign wealth fund established in 2006 to strengthen Australian government's long-term financial position. Yeah, just if we ever want to draw on it, I think is the yeah. idea. But then you never do because it's like, yeah, yeah. you're the government to raise the future <laughs> fund. <laughs> anyway, if anyone's interested, I've got a blog post and uh, an episode where he discusses that. Oh, and, nice. um, and But the interesting thing about it is how much the future fund is in cash at the moment. Yes. That was going to be my next question is how mm-hmm. are you thinking about cash in this environment as an asset class? Are you 100% invested? Do you have some cash on the side? No, I've got some cash on the side and that's what I'm using to go into those little satellite um, holdings in the portfolio. Not a great deal of cash, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. yeah, But I do have a quite a, a lot in a bond ETF, okay. in an Australian government bond ETF. I'm a bit older than you guys, you yeah, know, so yeah, yeah. I've, I think the, the, having the ballast for me, you know. Um, You're all about in my, preserving cash. In my twilight years, <laughs> <laughs> I want to preserve. And I know it's only giving about 1% or just under 1%, but, you know, it's preservation for me over the capital. And it's there as a ballast. And I was too scared last year to sort of go all in back in, in the, the share market. So I sat in the bonds and that just sort of sat there and it held up the strength of my portfolio. But then I didn't really participate in the uptick since then. So we've spoken a little bit about what you can invest in. You know that there's a bunch of different assets out there, all of which you can actually access through the stock market, I guess. You can buy yep. property through real estate investment trusts. Right. Yeah. You can buy gold through you know gold ETFs. ETFs, yeah. So that's what you can invest in. I want to ask you about when. Have you spoken to your guests much about how people should be investing, you know, things like dollar cost averaging and stuff like that? Yeah, oh, very much so. And there's a lot of services now, obviously, your raises and your um, spaceship and so forth. Perla is a new one. Mm, Have you heard mm, of Perla? Have you met the Perla guys? They've chosen an unfortunate name because wasn't that that right-wing social media? Oh, that was Parla. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, they've done a lot of social media posting about that recently to try and distance themselves. Themselves. No, I think they're using the Aussie term of Perla. She's, yeah, right. she's a Perla, mate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy now to do that where you can just sort of put in a little bit of money each week and just keep it there. This is it. That's the psychology of it as well. When you have your real money on the line and you see markets diving, that's when people sell. You know, I'm sure you've seen those memes on um, Twitter, you know, where you you know, you see a graph and it's sort of like buy, buy, buy as the graph's going up yeah, and then yeah, sell, yeah. sell, sell <laughs> as you go down. And it's what people do. It's being having the strength to hold against that. One thing I was really pleasantly surprised with in March of last year, when the markets really started to fall, 
the equity mates community there was no panic selling um and you yep. know in our facebook discussion group there was a lot of when's the right time to buy the dip but it wasn't like chaotic the world was chaotic but mm. the facebook group was really calm which i thought yeah. was pleasing and um i definitely think people learned from 2008 mm. i mean we we were growing up then and what was a catastrophic moment turned into an incredible buying opportunity and so i think our generation saw that and learned from that yeah, yeah. that um Gemma dale you know Gemma from your wealth podcast nab trade she was showing the data because they've got data on what the brokerage accounts are buying and she was saying that a lot of young people were making very sensible decisions and buying banks and buying woolies and buying you know the big name australian stocks there you go during that time and um they were using it as a buying opportunity Unfortunately, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's all learning. (laughs) Well, I just wanted to talk about Claude Walker from A Rich Life as well. But one of his um, great things, it's become a mantra for me. I'm going to write a song about it. Match your risk to your experience. (laughs) You're going to write a song? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. I've decided I've got to do it. (laughs) I'm working on a death metal. I had a guest on in the US version, Enrique Abeda, and he's got a a tattoo magazine and a heavy metal magazine. He's a Wall Street uh, guy, but he's now buying up digital assets. And um, his thing is value investing is a death cult. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how I'm making a death metal song about it. <laughs> Hopefully. There you um, go. So album release 2022 maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> no, I think the TikTok video, that's a strange, amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Can I ask you about Bitcoin? Because I was having a conversation with a, a guy last night who was evangelizing to me a bit about Bitcoin. And I've kind of avoided it because even though, you know, I've had it explained to me, I've talked to Fred Shabester about it yeah. where he's trying to explain it. Again, they went through how it works. I think you've got to just accept that it works. You know, you don't want to get tied up in the technical details of Bitcoin. But he believes, and I would be interested to know your guys' view, that there is long-term growth and wealth being created in Bitcoin as we speak, even at the prices that it is at today. Yeah, look, I'm absolutely no expert (laughs) on this topic. Oh, I thought you were going to say you're absolutely bullish. (laughs) But I am very bullish on where it can go. I mean, I'm following a lot of people and this could be biased given some of the rabbit holes I've gone down, but I've equally tried to find the alternative argument. But a lot of good investors and very smart people that I've been following for a while have put forward some pretty convincing arguments as to why this may be, I'm not saying that it will be, and they're not saying it will be either, but why it has a strong probability of becoming an asset class that is worth a lot more than it is today. Mm -hmm. And given that probability, it's something that I want to have some sort of exposure to because if it does take off and go to the places that these guys are suggesting, it could be quite significant. That's where it comes down to that, what you just said in terms of, you know, your risk needs to be matching your experience. Mm -hmm. We talk about the 80-20 core portfolio, and this is an even smaller portion of that 80-20. It'd be stupid to go and put in 20% of my portfolio into an asset class that I don't really know anywhere near enough about to make those sort of informed decisions. But for me, I want to be in it. And I can understand how these prices move. We're down to USD 30. And I think the highest I got in was 46. And I've been in a lot lower at this. So this mm-hmm. might be an opportunity to buy some more. I don't know. Personal, in my opinion only. Don't listen yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not a... <laughs> this is, yeah. But uh, it's pretty... It's cooled. And uh, look, if it goes to where I think it's going to go, then good time to get in. Mm. So in terms of what um, you guys have learned, for me, 
talking to CEOs of companies and then digging deep into a particular company and suddenly realising what's going on and how a particular company industry sector works has been so fascinating because you're really getting through the whole of capitalism and seeing how it works. Have you got an example of someone that you've met and talked to and learned so much about from their particular industry? I mean... We have. There's a bunch. Two immediately come to mind. One wasn't a CEO, but we actually spoke to Malcolm Turnbull and we had a chat to him about his years as an investor. So after he was a lawyer, before he was a politician, he started an investment bank, did a whole bunch of interesting stuff, including just some of the stories that he had. You know, he was investing in like Soviet gold mines and stuff like that. And um, just a really fascinating story about how this guy sort of came into finance with no financial background and just did some pretty amazing things. And obviously the fact that he was a prime minister was pretty cool. But in terms of guests where we've really had a better understanding of an industry and I've walked away from that conversation thinking differently about a company than I walked in, we spoke to the deputy CEO of Booktopia recently. Mm -hmm. And honestly, we've spoken to him now, so I can say it, I guess. I walked in thinking Booktopia is a company that's listing because it's about to get disrupted by Amazon and, you know, e-readers are coming in and they're selling physical books. Like, they're a relic in some ways. Yeah. But they're they're a more interesting company than I thought and they're more technology-led than I thought. And whilst I'm a Kindle user and, you know, I rarely buy physical books anymore, I walked away thinking that there might actually be something here. I didn't invest and I don't Mm -hmm. think I will, but um, just a really interesting way to think about a company that I didn't think much of. Did they list recently? Is that what Yeah, they listed end of last year. Okay. What about you? Anyone's from you? No, I think what you've kind of covered is, yeah, we want to speak to more CEOs Mm -hmm. this year. Almost every single fund manager who we've interviewed have said that one of the most important parts of their research process is to understand management. Mm -hmm. The next question is then, okay, well, how do you do that? And they go, well, we get on a plane and go and speak to the, speak <laughs> mm-hmm. to the management. Yeah. As a retail investor, you just can't do that. It's super hard to actually understand mm-hmm. the management. And so we're going to try and speak to more CEOs, CFOs, COOs, founders, you name it, to actually try it's and good, get... It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good experience in more talking ex- to people. Yeah, yeah more mm-hmm. exposure to the managers of these companies so that we can, I think, help our audience in the podcast community um, more broadly to get closer to some of these people because... Do you think listeners are interested in this kind of thing? Because I've kind of experimented a little bit just to, you know, try it out. And I've talked to a few CEOs and a CTO of Hazer about hydrogen technology and stuff. And I uh, think so. If it's framed in the right way, then Mm. there's certainly some value to be... If anyone's listening and wants to let us know if they're interested, (laughs) please let us know. (laughs) Yeah, I think if you, especially if you give people a chance to share the questions that they have, that then becomes a really compelling thing for you know listeners to get a chance to ask questions yeah, that they wouldn't yeah. otherwise get to ask. But you know, I imagine that if any of us had Nick Molnar from Afterpay on our shows, it would be our best rating episode because <laughs> so many people love Afterpay. It would yeah. outdo the Malcolm Turnbull episode. I would bet my whole share portfolio yeah, on it. Absolutely. So I think if it's the right CEO and people feel like they have a chance to ask the questions, then it can be, as Bryce said, something that previously hasn't yeah. been available for retail investors. Well, Phil, we might have to leave it there. It's great talking to you guys. It was great good meeting. Fun. Great I'm meeting sure you. We've, uh, <laughs> we've got a few more podcasts together in the barrel. Sounds like there's a lot more to talk about, <laughs> and, uh, a lot more to discuss. But um, 
It's been great having you on Equity Mates. Oh, thank you for, invi- uh, for the invitation and thank you for coming on Shares for Beginners as well because this is a dual, double, yes. yes. simulcast <laughs> episode. World first, world first. And um, remember, we've both got Facebook groups as well and if yep. you want to ask questions and continue the discussion, they're available as well at Shares for Beginners and at… Equity Mates Discussion Group, yeah. Phil, thank you as always. It's been fun. Thank Good you. Good luck with uh, Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, stocks Alex. for beginners, shares mm-hmm. for beginners, and looking forward to seeing what those two yeah uh, those secret <laughs> podcasts, two secret podcasts, <laughs> and the uh, album debuts. So. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be dropping any time. <laughs> <laughs> Shares for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Shares for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. Thanks to Christopher Soulos for music production with that special Greekalicious flavour. Remember, music always flows, even when the money won't. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.